Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax. It's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome to the Vet Gurus. Brendan here with Mark, episode 300 of the Triple Ton 300. Mark, Thursday, a little bit late. It's sort of one week late, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, 29th of June, 2023. 29th of June, 2023. I can hear you there chuckling, Mark. How are you? I'm great, Brendan. I, I, I said as we were coming on air, I'm a little bit excited. 300, it's been a journey to get here, both over the course of the whole 300 episodes and, of course, the last couple of weeks. Oh, yes, just a, just a, an aside to our listeners. We did plan the 300th last week and we spent many hours trying to record several times and um you were i think at one stage you were holding up an aerial with one hand and your microphone with another up in um, in, in the bush and uh we still didn't manage to record anything of you so i got some good outtakes though mark but <laughs> i must admit i don't know whether i can apply them uh, i can post them because our i put our podcast as clean and it would certainly not be clean considering the amount of um, swearing that went on. Um, may not be PG-13, Brendan. Yes, we may um, We may keep that for a, to, to show it a, a, if we ever record live at a conference or something like that. So, yeah. So, yes, episode 300. So I suppose we need to kick off with our contact details and our sponsors and our supporters, Mark. So vetgurus at gmail.com, send us an email. We have one to read out this week from a relatively new listener, which we'll get to shortly. And our three main sponsors, Mark, um, which are Chemical Essentials, which is Andrew and the gang who produce the wonderful F10 products for the Australasian region and distribute them around here. And we splash it everywhere in our clinic, Mark. If I had a big, big night out, I'd you know, scull a little bit down. I'd gargle with it, Mark. I'll tell you what, it does. it works well for a sore throat. I don't know um, whether it's a blade in my tonsils or something, but it works quite well. So, Andrew, thank you very much. Um, Jen and the team, Specialised Animal Nutrition, the distributors of Oxbow, fantastic products in Australia, Mark, and especially the critical care. I mean, how many kilograms, pounds, if you're in the US and other areas, Mark, of critical care have been dispensed worldwide i'd hate to think it's tons of it mark tons of it and 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 provides a a matching amount of good there are tons of good that become the other and most of it comes out the other end of those rabbits (laughs) which is what we want we use it for gut stasis don't we mark to support those gut stasis animals amongst other things so jen and the team specialized animal nutrition and our final sponsor is microchips australia and doug and uh geez those microchips they work very well mark um i'm a little bit worried about where they're where they're they're chipping everything these days aren't they and most of them are with microchips australia's chips and i must admit we did have one this is a true story we had a had a um dodgy chip mark and for those non-australian speakers you can look up what dodgy means 
a I think they can chip, figure it out. A dodgy chip mark in a, in a, I think it was a dog. Um, and we got onto Microchips Australia and we popped a Microchip Australia chip into the animal and away we go. It's reading perfectly on the, on the reader mark. So thank you to all those three main sponsors. They do help supply us with a little bit of money to help with our production costs to keep us going for 300 episodes. And the other... Big shout out is all our listeners, Mark, our, our supporters, um, our subscribers, and the Patreons. The Patreons as well. Yes, we have some very loyal patrons, including Sandy in Canberra. Hi, Sandy, who have been long term Patreon supporters, and we're always looking after, looking out for new supporters and supporters to help supply our. Um, well, help supply Mark in um, in water um, that he needs <laughs> up there in the north. Um, no, we just we, we we scrape by on a budget, don't we, Mark? Um, and it's every dollar counts. So if you want to throw us a throw us a bone, as we like to say, have a think about if you've listened to even a small percentage of the three hundred episodes. Um, perhaps you've got a little bit of fun out of it, or some continuing education. Um, how about sending us the equivalent of a cup of coffee? in your country um, to us. And you can get onto our website, vetgurus.com, and click on the links there and away you go. Otherwise, go to our site on Etsy, Mark, vetgurus website on etsy.com, E-T-S-Y.com, and look at the merch. There's some pretty cool merch there, Brendan. There is, and I must admit I need to buy. Oh, I, I sent you a photo of me wearing out the beanie, didn't I? You did. I have to talk a little bit about that. I took a little short break down to the South Island in New Zealand with Annie. Aotearoa. Yes, and thoroughly enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed it. And we um, wandered around a bit, did a fair few walks, and I think I sent you a picture out um, from the Tasman Glacier, Mark. We went on a short walk near uh well it's called mount cook but it's called our what oh, I've, I've lost the native name for it will come back to me shortly and i was wearing the beanie there because it was a tad cold there mark most of the time we were there it was and it looked very stylish i must admit and i tell you what my ears were warm as mark warm as i, I had a bit of a hot head after that yeah it was um, doing its job so have a think about maybe supporting us by buying a bit of Vet Guru's merchandise. You know, we get a couple of dollars and it's literally only about that much from any of the merchandise you purchase. And But it's also putting our little logo out there and you'll get people looking at you twice or three times when you're wearing, <laughs> the, wearing the gear, not because it's bad gear, but because it has our, our logo on it. And they might say, hey, what the hell's the story with that turtle and this Vet Guru's? And you can fill them in. So there we go, Mark. That's our little plug there, and I think we need to. And as before, we, we get on to the email, Mark. Okay. Yeah. Be, as as our listeners are probably gathering, this is going to be a bit of a free form episode here. This three hundred celebration, Mark, where we where I'm looking through our main topic there, and I have one dot point. Um, I know. On, I know. On, on the agenda, and there's nothing in that top point. So the agenda is usually so strict and tightly run, and <laughs> That's down a... to the second we can only talk about this topic for this long, and it's the free form. I don't know. I'm getting all anxious about it, Brendan. Oh, you're excited and anxious, aren't you? 
So it might go for another two minutes or another hour. So let's see. <laughs> so yes, we did have a have a uh, an email mark from Travis in the USA. Do you want to? Have you got that in front of you? Otherwise, I I'll do. Read that. I do. Okay. And uh, before I start, uh, just uh, always is a buzz to get uh, communication from our listeners. Um, Travis writes that he's a new listener, and he practices in Missouri in the United States, and uh, he um, he listens. Uh, to the podcast on his way to work. He listened to the late, uh, well, one of the most recent ones. 297. Yep. 297. And he was hoping that um, that we would do one on pain management. And look, what you often say, Brendan, go to the, uh, to the, the website and do a bit of a search. 300 episodes, crikeys, there's so much we've talked about. Um, and, um, and sure enough, he did find that uh, episode one um, <laughs> yes. was on pain control, analgesia. So, yeah, we, we really uh, value all our listeners. We value the new ones. And we're glad that you're enjoying the podcast. And we hope that it doesn't put you to sleep on your commute to work. Yes. And you've got a few to catch up with there, Travis. Uh, <laughs> so you've listened to episode 297 and one and hopefully a few more since. And we'll get back to you shortly um, in, a, in a few weeks. And uh, your homework is to have completed episode 50. Within we'll, be, we'll be asking questions. Tests. Yes, that's right. So thank you very much, Travis. And yes, we're we're more than happy to say hello to everybody, whether it's um, picking out an odd email like Travis's and on air or replying directly. We'll certainly reply regardless, one way or the other. Um, so there we go. So Mark, episode three hundred, and yeah, a free form sort of episode. I think we should chat about. Well, three hundred is a long time, and I think I, I, I've thought of a theme. A theme can be. We've been practicing a long time, so um, maybe we should go in the Wayback Machine and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the cha differences, um, what some of the stories, I suppose, and what happened in our, our generation uh, when we went through veterinary school and um, what differences we've seen um, since then, Mark, and there's a lot of things we could, we could chat about. It is, it, is, it is nice at our sort of ripe old age to reflect, isn't it? To look back and see about the differences. And you're right. I, I look at, for example, our time at university was unique and uh, characterised by, well, some things that don't occur Sh now. Shenanigans, Mark. Shenanigans. That's the word, shenanigans. <laughs> characterised by shenanigans. I must admit that the the students these days, I think there's a lot more pressure on them um, and they feel like they have to hunker down and, and study all the time. And as you know, Mark, when we went through university, there was a few shenanigans that used to go on um, and we might talk about a couple of them. Um, things were a little bit looser with, with, the, with the education, um, the things you could get away with in those <laughs> days, wasn't it? Look, um, I think that, that to be... Um... To be fair, I think you're right. I think there is a little bit more pressure in the modern world on university students in general. And I think the the uh, courses like veterinary science and veterinary science in particular do put a lot of pressure on the students. And and I think they they put a little bit of pressure on themselves. So uh, so I do think 
that it is uh, there is a different nature to it and and we were talking off air about how the delivery of the courses changed particularly after covid and and the amount of material that they have to get through the nature of the face to face stuff which is probably even more extensive and more clinically oriented than you know, there was a lot of practical work that we did that was foundational rather than leaping straight into the clinical stuff. And and, and that form of education has changed. And I wonder about the, Brendan, you, I'd be interested in your opinion in the the nature of camaraderie. We've, we've had some interactions with students from various universities very recently, and, and they certainly do form, you know, uh, friendship groups. Um, but I wonder whether the years as a whole, as a cohort, have the same, like I wonder what the, um, you know. How when close they are. Or yeah, how, when they're 40 yeah. years out, I wonder how many will show up to the reunions. Yes. Well, at our age, half of them are in the ground by now. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right, Mark. I mean, that we was and. I think part of it was we had such smaller groups. I mean, the group I went through university, we, we had 50 that started our year and I think 47 graduated there. And so it meant pretty intensive with rotations and especially when we were doing the clinical work in the last couple of years when you'd be rostered on, for instance, horses for a week or two and, and you, you have to do all the colics after hours. There's only four of you doing that. And by the end of the week, not only would you have you know, hands-on experience with dealing with several colics, but you'd, you'd be pretty damn tired at the end of it. And that's sort of a, a way of forcing you to bond, I think, um, because you've, you, you're in there at the thick of things um, with it. But because the, alter- the, the opposite ha- has happened, especially during the COVID period, and it's not quite as bad now, where, where students very little sort of practical um, experience, unfortunately, and, and it was a re- real headache, wasn't it, for the educators and for the for the um, um, people doing the registrations and that to try and make sure that they were up with their competencies um, because you might have, you know, and you might have a group of 200 students um, in, in a cohort, not 50, and, and they may get exposed to where 16 students are, are looking at one spay and uh, um, in a dog and and that's all their own ex, their, their only um, experience with it, with hands on it at vet school um, and so only one or two students get the actual hands into the dog to do the spay and the rest are just standing around trying to sort of absorb whatever they can whereas we, which is why like, one of the reasons that um, the time spent in general practice that yes that sort of learning that's right has become absolutely critical and um and i think it's just worth emphasizing i i was lucky to be involved in reviewing some of that work that the universities went through to ensure the that those students had the appropriate competencies and despite the the um the difficulties of COVID, the the universities did an outstanding job of making sure those students came out um you know all good to go. They yep. were they were a great cohort, and um, certainly there was no uh, aspersions cast on them because they were the the um, COVID graduates, as it were. But it does it did change things for them. That's there's no doubt about that. Yes, and the actual hands on learning, Mark, is is 
is drastically different, isn't it, con- c- compared to when we sort of went through. And when we went through, we had these these little sort of oblong things called textbooks, Mark, um, and that was our that was our learning system there. Whereas um, it's so much of it is, and I think that's part of the pressure these days is is online, and you have access to you know the, the library systems and and instantly can do a search for you know pulling up manuscripts and papers from journals of of any particular subject that you need, um, and also it, it relates to when you're in out in practice, Mark, and that clients have access to the internet too, which is, you know, it can be a big headache, can it, can't it? And when we, we first were around, the internet wasn't much available, was it, initially <laughs> when we graduated? So um, we didn't have people doing a Dr. Google search and, and comparing that to these days, it's actually a lot less pressure when you don't have clients coming in with with with, with sometimes some zany questions that they oh, I do on an internet search. It, it really points to how old I am that I remember when I graduated, the sort of consensus amongst the clients was, I don't know, the, the senior vet in my practice, I got the impression he was almost revered. And he'd say some things that, oh, they didn't fit neatly with my um, evidence-based education, but, geez, the, the clients just lapped it up. And, and, and if, uh, if doctor said this was the case, then, you know, then that was the case and there was no question. But these days, uh, the, the, the pressure to communicate well and to be across such a vast amount of knowledge and, and then have be second guessed by uh, clients who come in with a sheaf of uh, Dr. Google notes. Um, yeah. yeah, just it, and, it does put es- that extra pressure on them. Es- and especially if it's you, you have you might have that back to back consults, and you know you've got the next couple of consults that might be a you know difficult skin case or a re- review or a second opinion or something, and they. And, and you're hoping that this is a simple you know, puppy vaccination and then they bring out their list of questions and you see this two pages of questions and you just think, here we go. You know. Here we go. And I'm, as I gently shuffle them out into the waiting room, I'll have a chat to our receptionist. I'll, um, they'll cover most of your other questions. I would say one of the things I was thinking about over the course of my career is that I think I've become very adept at like accepting, you know, uh, I'm not because when they first, when it first started happening, I was like, oh my goodness, there's another one of these PITA Doctor Google sheath of paper people. But I've, I've gotten much better. I suppose it's as you get older that you know accepting that they have some information trying to work through it quickly in the consult where where that's possible and and trying to give them good resources to go and have a look at some more and there definitely has been one or two cases where with you know where my thoughts because that's busy and I haven't thought about everything about the case um, and those pieces of paper have just given me a, a little uh um, reminder of something that I should do for a particular case. So I've I've looked I've looked more favourably upon those Doctor Google clients. Yep, yep. It's um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I I do think with the comparison with with when we first graduated, there is more a hell of a lot more pressure. Um, 
these days um, in, you know, and the, and the thought of that you have to get it right and that if you don't, you're going to be and, and called out, you know, on, on reviews on, on the internet, et cetera, and all these discussion groups, et cetera. So um, and thank goodness we didn't have that sort of thing oh, initially. Uh, I'm so glad that that I, there was no social media while I was at uni, first of all. And yes, and you love your social media second, there, Mark. Um, and as and the actual reaction. teaching, and I mentioned about the textbooks, Mark, yeah. but it's, everything else was um, a lot of other things were, well, the foundations were certainly still the same there, Mark, but um, the tools that are used to teach um, practically is have 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 certainly changed a lot mark and i remember i remember during one of the open, I, I love it when I'm you laughing. do that i remember and you have your little chortle i'm looking forward to this story if Hang i on, can I'm get the story out celebratory drink during one of the open days when and and i presume you had to do the same mark um where you were rostered on um for the open days where you'd have several thousand um final year school students and their parents coming through the veterinary school and their son or daughter um, or rather trying to decide whether they'll you know try and get into veterinary science mark so we'd have all these little stations in the different areas of the university there'd be a, you know a, a consultation um there might be the um, the CNI dogs people there or whatever um, with, with, with the Labradors and then in the horse barn there would be somebody showing how to you know put a shoe on a horse um, etc and pathology lab running running some bloods etc and I was ro rostered on the obstetrics ward Mark how's that yeah. um, quite no appropriate considering um, what what went on there and, and they had this amazing little contraption there marker just a, a rusty old steel frame and the aim was that uh, you'd, you'd glove up with the full length glove and lube up or, or a member of the public would and they'd, they'd shove their arm up the back end of a um, this pretend cow mark which was a rusty frame and um, with a hole in it and, a, and a, one of those little Frisian rugs um, that you have on the floor draped over it <laughs> to, to approximate the cow um, and you'd pop your hand in there and if you're lucky enough you'd come out with a handful of, of lollies mark um, these days they've got uh, 3d you know systems where um, some of the unis have got these 3d sort of you know virtual or augmented reality systems where the the students will be learning um, how to do things and 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 uh, all these 3D sort of, you know, I, I would have loved to have those 3D, you know, CT scan type views, you know, those little models that you can access these days to, to look at the anatomy of of different animals and you can just rotate it around in 360 degrees and drill down to where everything's situated in, in the animal. And, you know, the software packages that now, you know, simulate sort of the... The surgical aspects of those things as well that we never had so i think you know in some respect they've got a lot better tools um, than we had than a simple rusty frame mark uh, and i think <laughs> it's 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 also like because i reckon there is a a bit of facilitation that occurs because of that imagery because it's um in three dimensions you can rotate it around it would facilitate your learning where despite the technology of your um your rusty frame with the bag of lollies in it you um it, it was you know most of that learning that we had to do was on paper as you said it was uh, in textbooks and um 
And so it, it did make it a little bit difficult for those of us that are visual, uh, you know, that uh, need those images to pictures and, and 3D images to, to put things in our mind. Yeah. Um, and it is amazing how much more access that the students these days have to those resources, to, those, uh, to, to the technology that gives them those resources. And the other big change, especially in the last few years, Mark, is online teaching and Zoom, et cetera, um, webinars and, and you know, teaching remotely, Mark. Um, we certainly didn't have that in our days. It was you get in your car or you live in the little commune or <laughs> wherever <laughs> you are next to the vet school and um, you have to get up and get to that lecture theatre at eight in the morning and you're there till five in the afternoon. Did, Brendan, did you have someone in like in your cohort who was very good at writing lectures and so on those rare occasions that, that you've missed, uh, you were able to sort of hit someone up and get a copy of the lecture? Yeah, there were some people who... You've always got one, and it certainly wasn't me, you know, <laughs> one or two people who, who not only pay attention during the lecture, but they take beautiful notes and, and they may even be, you know, and, and written out freehand um, during the lecture and, 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 and le legible. Formatted. Yes, yes. And, and then they might highlight it with their highlighter pens and that as well and highlight the main points that they think might be on the exam. Yeah. Um, yes. Although sometimes it was. A little bit tricky to try and um, cajole them to give you those um, lecture notes, Mark. I suppose if you do it one too many times, they might think you um, you got to wake up and just stop sleeping in the back of the <laughs> lecture theatre. There, Mark. I'll tell you, it, it reminded me of my, my final year exams, and I, and I think things have changed a little bit with exams. They're still very stressful events, aren't they? But our final year exams, and I think you had the same, Mark. We had it was. 100% on all the exams, basically, um, for that particular subject. So we had exams at the end of our final year of, of veterinary school. And, yeah, some of those subjects, it was virtually the whole, whole you know, it was 90 to 100% of it was that three-hour paper mark. Yeah. That was pass or fail or honours or whatever just on that three-hour paper. And there was no, you know, little tests or exams throughout the year and, and practicals, etc. But... I was getting a bit jack of things with, with one of my fellow students. His name was Andrew, Mark. And Andrew was one of these people who, you know, he was smart. That, that's, that's, I suppose that's my summary of him. He was smart and he'd, he'd wander into all the exams and he'd just have a really cool head and uh, he would, he, he has become a specialist actually. And, he would then wander out and he'd, he'd always just, I don't maybe my memory's going, but he would always seem to finish before anybody else. So for a three-hour exam, he'd be out before three hours and two-hour exam, he'd be out before two hours, et cetera. And, and I was silly enough in my final exams in final year, Mark, I don't know whether I've told you a story. I thought, no, nah, bugger this, I'm going to You're beat gonna Andrew. Him. Yep, I'm going to beat Andrew and I, 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 rushed through my three-hour exam and I think I finished it in, it was definitely under two and a half hours. It might have even been something stupid like two hours. And 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 then I just put my paper down, got up and walked out in front of everybody and, and it was worth it for the faces of my 
colleagues. Um, <laughs> my cohort, they all looked and think, what the hell's Brendan doing? He must have failed. <laughs> but I passed, Mark. It wasn't much more than a pass with that <laughs> subject, but it was worth it to say I'd, I beat Andrew in um, finishing an exam <laughs> early. So, yes. Well done. So... I think we need to chat. Yes, chat a little bit about that that teaching of the you know and and the the, the fatigue um, that we've all had with with online teaching and, and zooms and and continuing education. Mark and it must have been so tough for the the recent cohorts of students who've graduated over the last few years during the COVID period, lockdown periods. Mark, where they've had online. Um, online teaching um, for the majority think, of the course. I think there's um, potential advantages, Brendan. Two of them is that, like, you can, you know, because it's recorded and online, you can do it at a time of your convenience, maybe when you're, you know, best rested and most able to take the information in. And also, um, one of the things that's fascinated me about about the, the students that I talk to is they often listen to the lecture at at faster than normal speed. Yes, two by or four by or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, tr- I've tried it and I can't get must, much past 1.7. It depends on who's talking. But, um, but geez, uh, there is the potential for some time saving there. Yeah, in in tandem with that, of course, is uh, the disadvantage is the the absence of three dimensions, the absence of the ability to ask questions. Um, so pluses and minuses, I reckon, Brendan. And also that camaraderie too, not you know being in the lecture theatre or the tutorial place with your students and just chatting to them before and afterwards and at morning tea or lunch or whatever um, with them. I think I think that you are you potentially do miss out on things there, but you don't have the downtime of of commuting as well. Mm. So yeah, and I, and students being students, Mark, and and um, I had some very crazy stories from my my two daughters who, who, who one's recently finished university studies and the other one's still at university with with the way they get around some of the um, requirements <laughs> and some of these zoom you know lectures and that they're, they're told they all have to or the tutorials certainly have their have their cameras on so that staff can can make sure that they're both sitting there paying attention and some of the elaborate schemes they get up to mark to you know do a pre-recorded little loop of, of them and 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 somehow play that back um so it makes it or, or you know having screenshots etc um it's a more basic method of doing it to make it look like they're sat there um watching the watching the lecture when they're just watching some netflix movie mark so um, it's look quite, uh, i know your yeah. daughters did very very well in their studies so whatever technique was um was being used to make better use of time i'm sure they did it no they were were, it was their colleagues yes they were very 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 um assiduous um, assiduous yes at at doing things yes it it, it definitely you know I, i have thought about the difficulty that um that that remote learning while on the surface it does seem like there's some significant advantages like we talked about in terms of time management i wonder sometimes that the the um 
the disadvantages might outweigh them, that it, that it does add a considerable amount of um, complexity and difficulty and, and uh, yeah, just another pressure for the students and uh, to cope with these days. So how do you think things are going to change or have changed with the last few years and, you know, remote consultations, you know, for vets um, and, and clients, etc. Um, I presume you're going to say that's here to stay, but do you think that is there a next step with, with that sort of um, e, e-consultations, electronic consultations? Um, I know, remote? Brendan, that, that, that regulatory authorities all around the world in the in America, in the UK, and here in Australia are all grappling with this um, idea even as we speak. And as you said, it's uh, in one form or another, it's going to be here to stay. And the benefits, you know, for people in remote locations, for people who can't get to the veterinary practice, for people who, uh, for veterinary practices to more deftly manage time to manage contagious diseases. Um, there are a whole range of benefits that technology uh, has led to, but there's all, there's also some hurdles to get over yet. So I think that that, there were, that we'll probably see increasingly regulatory authorities establish uh, some of their regulations, some of the, the uh, legal um, work that can be easily changed, maybe not in the legislation, but in the regulations, I expect there will be uh, some guidelines for uh, telemedicine, for uh, remote medicine. Yeah, because most I, of them did, had nothing, did they? There was nothing well, in the regulation. So what? So what was happening in that initial period, Mark? And not that I've, you know, I've done the odd, odd phone consultation, but apart from that, I've, I haven't done anything more. Deeper, deeper than that. What, so, so how did it work um, generally? Well, it's surprising, isn't it? Because to the letter of the law, you 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 couldn't at the beginning of COVID, um, in a number of jurisdictions, you couldn't uh, do a, a um, remote consultation. Um, but I think the general rule of of thumb is that most regulatory authorities accepted that um, the greater good was to allow for physical isolation and to uh, to not um, prosecute cases that were uh, were you know that were conducted remotely in contravention of what many consider now to be outdated rules um, so yeah so uh, they they literally chose regulatory authorities literally chose to ignore uh, those rules right. and and uh, and not make trouble for vets who were trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, there were some guidelines brought in. Um, and I know in New South Wales, where where I'm most familiar with the law, that um, there were there is um, if you go to the New South Wales Veterinary Board website, they have guides for uh, uh, teleconsults. Um, but they will become more refined and and uh, more specific. And it's interesting because um, probably one of the big things about them, Brendan, is that that it means that veterinarians can consult over vast distances. One of the benefits is that uh, remote people could get access to specialist opinion, but it also means that that veterinarian providing the opinion might be providing it to a patient that's not in 
the um, regulatory region that they are so registered in. So a different in. state or territory or, yeah, or yeah. country, yes. Or country. And so the question then becomes what happens when something goes pear-shaped? Who, who, um, who, does, who do you complain? Who does the general public complain to? And, and in what area, in what jurisdiction is a, the investigation and a, the rules of investigation? An excellent thought there, Mark. I mean, I'd immediately think of one scenario that um, potentially has happened already, and that's a lot of practitioners use these tele services for things like specialists for CT scans, for instance. Yeah. Um, and so you would have a CT scanner or you'd use a, 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 a borrow a, a local CT scanner and but you wouldn't interpret the scan, you'd upload the scan to there's a, a couple of well known um, international or CT um, radiologists in, interpreters who will then send you back a report um, to the country you're in, obviously here in Australia for, for us. And they're excellent reports, Mark. They're very detailed reports. Um, so I, I immediately thought, what yeah, what would happen if they, they gave a report that was incorrect um, for whatever reason um, and the client then decided to um, take all the vet clinic to court, Mark? Um, how does that work? Yeah. It's interesting, and at the moment, we're very fortunate that there are very, very few um, complaints of this nature. As you said, these reports are um, are, um, are of a, generally of a calibre that uh, makes complaints about them uh, very difficult. Um, but I've got no doubt there will come a time when there is a, a complaint, and I think um, uh, collaboration between regulatory authorities in different jurisdictions is critical so that the um you know that the the, the veterinarian involved um is not um you know they understand their responsibilities they understand what rules they need to be operating under and because that's the difficult thing if if someone providing an opinion from new south wales or victoria for someone in western australia do are they going to have to follow the West Australian rules? They might not know them, um, so it's very important that there's uh, that uh, collaboration between regulatory authorities, which will provide certainty for practitioners and the general public. And and I can tell you that works actually being undertaken at the moment. So that's good news. Yes, there's always changes, Mark. Always changes. What? Well, 300 episodes, Mark. Let's get back to that. 300 episodes. <laughs> and we've covered a reasonable variety of topics there. It's obviously, um, mainly exotics, unusual pets, and, and, and wildlife. And uh, I reckon we've got at least another 300 to go before we get in any, any near, anywhere near close to um, running out of topics, aren't we? <laughs> um, with them. What is your advice? For a vet who's interested in exotics, Mark, what's your first point that you'd say to them um, if if they want to upskill themselves a bit more in exotics? That's a good question, Brendan. A good question, and and it it's I've got a bit of a catch-all answer. It's an answer that serves for multiple questions, and I and and I think it comes down to 
cultivate a network. I think that you need to um, get involved with here in Australia. We have a um, our veterinary association has a special interest group, the unusual pets and avian vets veterinarians, and and I think you've got to get involved in that as a student or as a recent graduate if you are if you have an interest in this area, and then from there. I think you've got to like chase those local veterinarians, the veterinarians that might be well, veterinary practices that might be in your area and um, and try and whether you follow a case or just connect with them somehow. And if you're a recent graduate and in a practice that doesn't specifically do a lot of you unusual or avian work, then then cultivate it. Seek those cases out. Let it be known in the practice that you will be the person happy to look at those animals. Use your network. I know I, I literally still call you, don't I, Brendan, about cases. Uh, make sure that I've got uh, um, someone to talk to. Um, and I think that um, do that. Get online. Uh, send a message through social media. Talk to your uh, the, the people that you know that um, will help you and build your experience. Um, but I think the key thing is uh, put yourself out there and do some networking. Yep. Well said, Mark. And if you build it, they will come. It's, it, if you move to a place anywhere in the world, Mark, and you just let it be known in the local community that you're interested in dealing with the unusual pets, wildlife, Etc. Um, word will get around, won't it? And before you know very, it, very, very quickly, it you will, can it trust will be. that they will. And and the other the other practitioners in the in the clinic will get a bit cranky when you're not rostered on, um, because they'll have people rolling up with all sorts of animals and saying, "Where's Where's Mark? Where's Mark? We, we we've we've got a snake." I think I think we've one of the three hundred episodes talks about the way to manage that yes. to set things up. So get yes. get into the. Uh, the the um the repertoire get into the search engine on vetgurus.com and and have a look because um there are things that you can do that take the pressure off everyone even if you're sort of beginning to uh, develop a particular interest in those things um you don't want to put pressure on your colleagues yep you can do a bit of a word search mark we have have tags for the for the episode so you could search for practice management and it would pick out the ones that have practice management tagged for it, for instance. Those are yes. Geez, they're encyclopedic. Yes, and that's why you should throw us a bone and give us a cup of coffee um, for, for helping you out and making you laugh perhaps once or twice, Mark. Well, I, I'm actually very surprised, very, very surprised that the internet has not crashed on us considering what happened. What uh, happened last week? Last week when I was... I was very close to throwing this micro microphone across my room here, Mark. Um, and when I, when we'd finished after several hours of attempting and recording less than probably ten minutes of, of scratchy audio, Mark, I, I went back into the other room and um, and he said to me, "Oh, how did it go?" I said, "No, it didn't." You know, I was, I was very grumpy, Mark. I was very grumpy for a few days there. So I'm glad it's been working well for this 300. So we finally, we finally got there, Mark, um, with the 300. Was there any other topics you wanted to 
chat about for this 300th episode before we get out of here. Uh, Just put it out, put our um, exceptional thanks and appreciation out there to to put it out on the ether to our audience that uh, um, we we would probably still be talking to each other, um, but um, but yeah. The, this framework, this thing that we've been doing, this podcast, um, it's been an intrinsically good thing and we appreciate the support from our sponsors, but most importantly, we appreciate those people who take the time to listen to us and, yeah, give us some feedback. Tell us what's good. Tell us what's bad. Tell us your name. Yes, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of saying hello to us what's the worst can happen i usually say um we ignore you which which doesn't happen does it mark uh it doesn't happen and i'm just going to quickly jump before we finish i might throw in our usual blooper reel um, uh, okay, excellent. Near, near the end there our, our typical blooper reel. i'm just having a look at our audience here mark um because yeah i'm i'm always amazed at Actually, the demo, we've got a little bit more on demographics here, Mark. Um, 50% of our listeners are students of some sort, whether it's postgraduate or undergraduate, which is quite interesting. 36.3% um, of our listeners have a bachelor degree as a minimum. Okay. Uh, and I found, found this one interesting, Mark. 85.7% um, of our listeners have no kids at home. Wow. What do you think of that? Uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, so there you go. I'm trying to look for statistics for all our um, our um, demographics of where people listen from, Mark, because I was going to update um, our listeners with how many um, how many different countries, but they've changed the. Um, They've changed the statistics section here, Mark. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but I can't find what I want. Um, so <laughs> there we go. So I think with that, Mark, um, yes, I'll reiterate. Oh, here we go. I found it top 10 countries again. I think the countries are the same. I read out our top 10 countries of our okay. listenership. Australia, United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Singapore, New Zealand, Germany, India, Poland, and France, Mark. Uh, so they're our top ten. That's and interesting. How many is there all together? Do you can you see that easily? Are you ready? Are you, are you sitting down? Of course, you're sitting down, aren't you? Yeah. And some of these countries, we've had a couple of countries where there's one listener in there, Mark. And, and that's um, okay. So yeah, that's okay. We we still love you. One hundred and thirty-seven countries, Mark. Wow. One hundred and thirty-seven. So yeah. Well. So Let a big shout out to those... our Yep, and a big shout out to one our one I'll point out one of these countries with one listener, Mark, or one subscriber, our one listener in Monaco. Hello to you there in Monaco. So we love them all. Send us we appreciate email. them all. And with that we'll get back to our normal less self indulgent programming. Yes. And don't be backward in coming forward with suggesting a topic for us. We're always looking for new topic. So it might be a, a case of interest and a, and a, and a problem you had with a, with a case you had this week or last week or last year or a particular species you want us to chat about. We're more than happy to. 
to entertain all ideas for topics, Mark. And I think with that, we'll we'll jump into our um, outtake summary and uh, Mr. Outro. And we will talk to you all next week. Thank you all again for listening. I didn't realise how viral it had gone. The power of the millennial, hey? That's it. Um, yeah, I don't know where to go. How to answer that one, Mark, because I can't. I'm going to cut that out, Mark. <laughs> You're off having one of your drinks, aren't you, Brendan? Oh, this is scary. Oh. You're going to have to delete that bit out. Oh, I just thought that, that I dropped out after no, all didn't. the good that we've done. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time. Thanks.